Are we waiting on you? Actually, you do the first line. I know, and I said it. And then you just kind of... Okay, well, I was waiting for that extemporaneous banter that always takes place before we actually start recording so that I could have a, a clip to put in there somewhere. But <laughs> I guess that's not going to happen tonight. <laughs> Nobody wants to extemporaneous. It's like a bump in the night. Okay, y'all ready? My name is Mike Butt. Yep. Are you ready? I'm ready, baby. Okay. Been ready. And we're live. With Paranormal Dash Spirits. Oh, like we're sharing. Are we <laughs> sharing again? Uh, he doing, doesn't uh, like to share. You don't want to share? He doesn't like I'll to share. I'll do it if you want me to. And we're live with Paranormal Dash Spirits, the place we come to get our booze on. We talk about the booze, things that go bump in the night, and I get to do that with all my booze. I'm Mike Black. It's my wife, Alyssa Black. Hello. My best friend, John Burkett. Hello. And tonight we've got a great story about the Beckwith haunting, or the nicknamed the Hell House in Connecticut. There's a lot of Hell Houses, I feel like. Yeah. I keep hearing but this. But this is the Ed and Lorraine Warren Hell House. Hell house. A lot of Hill Houses, too. There, there are a lot, hill, of, a lot of Hill Houses. I do. I can, I can say that's true as well. So we're going to take you on a spooky road tonight. Before we do that, I'm going to tell you about all the places that you can see us and hear us so if you're listening to us on a podcast you can come to youtube and hear us at 3b paranormal spirits uh, you can also go to uh, our facebook group which is booze with benefits we have instagram tiktok and twitter on all of those we are paranormal underscore d-a-s-h underscore spirits you spell out the dash if you want to look at our website, we are at paranormal-spirits.com, and that's kind of a launch pad for us. Uh, you can get to any of our sites from there, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and we also have a little swag store called Boozy's Boutique where you can pick up these really cool uh, Boozy's koozies. Uh, we got trucker caps, dad caps, racerback tees, um, beanies, uh, coffee cups, coffee mugs. We got the works. And this is the show about spirits. And before we uh, start any show, we always uh, start off with a, some spirits. So, John, can you reach that? Tell us what I we're drinking tonight. Can reach that? This and is. I'll pass this around. Scarabus Isla Single Malt Scotch Whiskey, distilled on Isla. He already has his. Okay. I already Here's... grabbed mine. That Sorry, that's all right. Ooh. Fresh hint of band-aids. <laughs> this is a non a non-aged product, so we don't and I, I did read a little bit about it. They don't disclose what distillery they're getting this from. Their mix? Yeah. But they have their own. They just have they've only been in business since 2019, so they don't have time to have product yet. Because uh, you, you take you like, you know, I mean really you're gonna take it'd be ten years before they have their own they have their own yeah so i'm uh, assuming this is probably a blend maybe it's a single malt so they're buying barrels okay. from somebody and if they're saying it's from isla then it's come from isla that narrows it down to about eight distilleries right 
but you could buy barrels from two different distilleries, I guess, if you're blended. Yeah. But I can tell you who they're not buying barrels from. Who is that? The ones that don't sell barrels, like Lagavulin. <laughs> right. And, uh, I don't think Ardbeg sells them at Lafroy. I don't think the three on the on the south part of the island sell barrels. Not 100% on the other. No Lagavulin doesn't sell barrels. Right. But. <clears throat> so that narrows it down to Kalila or uh, Balmore or or, or, or uh, Brooklodic or Boonahabin. Uh, yeah, John is a, uh, obviously our, our Scotspert. <laughs> it's probably Kalila that they're getting from because I know that's who provides the, uh, the Isla Scotch for Johnny Walker Black and stuff like that. So hmm. that's a guess. Okay. So... I smells sm- like Isla. I smell the sea. I smell peat. I smell I bad dates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a little iodine, a little bit. Yep. Yeah, but it's not. It's I not don't, strong. I don't. I don't get that richness, that strong smell that I get from like Lagavulin. Do you? I have high hopes for this though. I do too. It, it comes highly recommended. It smells a little more Lafroigi to me. Does it? Yep. But I've never had Kalila, so I. I Lafroigi. It smells like Lafroigi. Smells like Lafroigi. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get like what he's saying. Bath water. <laughs> Just funny. Just mermaids making fun of Lafroigi. Yes. Burnt tires, band aids, and mermaids bath water. Yep. There you go. Okay. We ready? Salancha. 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 Tastes like Lafroigi, dude. Now I'm not a Scotch expert like yourself. However. I would say that is a heavily peated scotch. Yeah, but it's got a very uh, you. It's 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 a very. It's a different uh, peat than say Lagavulin or. It's not Ardbeg peat. I can one tell of you my that. new favorites. <laughs> and it's not Ardbeg peat. Mm-mm. It's not as heavy. Uh, this is more heavily peated than um, Lagavulin. Mm-hmm. I like that. I do. And, too. It, and I it's don't more. Hate that at all. Uh, the whiskey behind the peat is a little more uh, fruity, mm-hmm. like pears or something. Not stewed rhubarb, like they say. Although I, <laughs> to be honest, rhubarb. I have never had stewed rhubarbs. I, I can't say. I've had a rhubarb pie. I don't know how the rhubarb was prepared for. I do it like a good rhubarb. <clears throat> Not gonna lie. Doesn't it, it rhubarb mess with you? Look at that. You think that's gonna be a vegetable? Yep. But then it tastes like a. Fruit. And you got to cook it in a certain way because the stringies will. Yeah, you don't want that in your pie. So that's got that's got decent legs to it. It's not bad. The I think the mouthfeel is quite a bit thinner. Oh yeah, it's than, not like a sixteen year old. No, oh. it's it's not like that. It's a little sharper that. too to me. Is it? Mm-hmm. Well, got a little edge to it. A little bit. I've been through several bottles of Lafroig, and let me tell you, that tastes like Lafroig. That is very smooth, though. I don't dislike this at all. I don't either. I think it tastes good. I, I prefer the uh, the Lafroig uh, peat to the Ardbeg peat. Mm-hmm. Um, unless it's in one of the high, you know, Ardbeg's more expensive expressions, yeah. but. So I this tastes like I hadn't tried Lafroig yet, so we got a Lafroig ten. We have to get that on the show. Yeah. There's not enough left in my bottle to do. So there's only about well, that much left dang in the it. bottle. It's probably oxygen. Dang it's probably, it. It's probably oxygen. You know, 
it's probably a bit evaporating actually. yeah probably all the alcohol's out of it by now and yeah it's just probably just peaty water peaty water <laughs> it's truly mermaid's bath water now it truly is there's no alcohol left in it i left i approve I, I do too i left a little bit of tequila in a decanter once and it was just a tiny bit not even quite a shot and it was um by the time i got to it i don't think there was any alcohol left i think it all evaporated oh really yeah i mean i know that can happen i don't think i've ever experienced yeah. it but it was in there a long time <laughs> guess it wasn't a good tequila thumbs up from me a definite definite this I is like kind of sweet too. You, yeah, that's what makes me sweetness. think of Laroque. There's this, there's it's a little brighter, crisper, not quite as heavy as uh, as like a Lagavulin. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a like a peated Brooklyn. Do you like but, it? I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I mean, that's the same color. Dumb. Thumbs up for me. Thumbs, thumbs up, up for yeah. me. It has a really mm-hmm. cool little logo, too, that I really like. Yeah, I really like the bottle. The bottle looks cool as hell. Well, there's a whole explanation of what the, all that gold stuff on the bottle is on their website. Does it stand for something? Well, the brand creates a sense of mystery mm. and discovery through the tagline, Only those who she- seek shall find. So in other no words, kidding. Well, you're not it's a anything else you're looking for. it's a it's a mystery. <clears throat> and through the intentionally ambiguous symbols incorporated on the label, mm, okay, ambiguous. the look and feel draw inspiration from the work of Isla-born John Francis Campbell, who created the Sunshine Recorder, a device that tallies the hours of sunshine in a day, as well as creating a vast collection of Celtic folk tales. Hmm. So I can see that. Yeah, I see the. But then they named it uh, a name that means a rocky place in Old Norse. Okay, it's good. What's the price point on it? There you go. Do you remember? I'm trying to remember. I want to say it was about forty dollars a bottle, forty-five maybe. Forty-six percent ABV. Yeah. Which is what it should be. Thirty-seven ninety-nine. That's a good price. Yeah, for that's 40 dollars yeah, a bottle. Yeah, it's a good price for this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lafroy or Ardbeg, Ted, they're gonna set you back. It's gonna be more. Five, sixty yeah. bucks for. Cool. I found a drinkable scotch for sure. You did. That's good. Good that job, was a Mike. Good recommend, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah, Tommy it was. That recommended that. It was. This is a, a total. A total. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He said yeah. hands down that's we're, his favorite. We're not sponsored by them, by the way. <laughs> But Yet. he a hundred percent supported it, and I agree with him. Not yeah, so much on his tequilas, but this one. Yeah, it's, he's he's got it going on with the scotch. He's right. Y'all ready to talk about the booze? The B double O S. The Hell House. <laughs> we are going to talk about the Hell House. At least that's the nickname for it. It's fitting that I'm wearing my yeah, yeah, one among ghost shirt. Many. So this is um, we're going to talk about the. Uh, the Beckwith family, and we're going to talk about Seymour, Connecticut. So every, it seems like everything's haunted in Connecticut. I don't know why you have the 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 haunting in Connecticut, and then you have nobody which was, ever wants you to see less Connecticut. Yeah, Seymour, so, Connecticut. Yeah, so it's <clears throat> so what you got the Baker family there, and you got the Snedekers, and then now you have uh, the Beckwiths. The Beckwiths. 
So Seymour, Connecticut started off as a little farming settlement that uh, turned into an industrial town in the uh, early 19th century. It's known for its scenic beauty and its sense of community, blue-collar living. So I don't know if anybody's checked the prices. It didn't look blue-collar. Yeah, it didn't look blue-collar to me either. It looked pretty... pretty bougie expensive it did look a little expensive especially for connecticut because i think the the housing is a little more expensive there than yeah it, it is well it's here. all the new yorkers buying up it's the east coast isn't it houses mm-hmm. so they yeah. don't have to live in the city the commuting new yorkers yeah like a sleeper type so anyway so connecticut's got a a rich history with with these battles that took place between the english and dutch settlers and the american indians and that's i'm reading it directly from what I pulled off the internet, so I know I can say that. But they literally spilled gallons of blood over this whole state uh, during the war. And uh, the Connecticut colony officially officially declared war against the Pequot Indian tribe on May 1st, 1637. Uh, The war's key battles actually ran from 1636 through 1637. And... But 1637 officially marked the start and conclusion of the Pequot War. Pequot War. Peacock? Pequot. 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 <laughs> uh, this conflict quite literally bled beyond the, the chronological markers. And what? I just happened to pull up the real estate because I was not a part of that conversation that y'all uh-huh. had earlier. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So. Three bed, two bath, eighteen hundred. It's a nineteen hundred square foot home for three seventy seven five. That's not bad. Just posted fifty seven yeah. minutes ago. Well, that's not too bad, honestly. <clears throat> no, not in Yankeeville up there. It's usually Here's another expensive. one that's eleven hundred square feet for three fifty. Well, oh, well, that's pretty bad. Yeah, that is pretty bad. And think about the square footage. That's actually pretty expensive. Yeah, that's yeah. bad. So it's up there. So anyway, we know this kind of. Trauma from war and and all that can and real estate prices and real estate prices can really mar the <laughs> land and and uh, you know the all the blood spilled on the land and everything. That's what you're paying for. Is that what it is? The, the, the extra blood. Yes. Yeah. Okay. For the hauntings. Yes. Yeah. So in the summer of '98, the Beckwith family of five they're in search of a new home and it's sean bonnie they got two teenage daughters francis and jennifer francis being the oldest jennifer being the younger of the two sisters and their young son jeremy and they're out driving through the countryside and they're looking for a place to live they want they've got a little extra money now uh bonnie is a nurse sean is a heat air air conditioning guy hvac hvac he does that and they're doing better for themselves they want to get a, a bigger house uh, out in the country so they're driving around and they find this home and they're just instantly drawn to it oh we got to have this house this sounds familiar yeah happens right so yeah very similar actually yes i know what you're talking about uh the you're talking about the snedekers yes or yeah but then they find out it was a funeral home yeah that one. right okay so this home it's been abandoned for a year uh, but it's listed and it's on the market at a low price, so it just seems too good to be true. And what do we know about it any is. kind of house that shows up on our podcast? If it's too good to be true, it is. It is. You're going to share your room with a ghost. <laughs> or That's right. Four. Or it comes with extra. It comes with extras, like extra friends. Absolutely extra right. Even. Built-in friends. So the family meets with the real estate agent. They're excited. They're just blown away. This house is beautiful. 
except for Francis, the oldest daughter. And she goes, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not even going in this house. This house is evil. That's what she said. Now, this she is an a, empath. I don't know. It could be that she's a histrionic teenage girl <laughs> and they're making her move from her hometown where all her friends are. And it's ugly. Into this new place and it's ugly and it's out in the country and she may not care for that. So It's not ugly. However, whenever Google Street View went through there the last time, <laughs> nobody had maintained that yard in a while. It was looking pretty rough. Just put them out there on Front Street, John. <laughs> so. If you ever see this and you own that house... Mow the yard. Yeah, mow the yard. It's a weed eater's lawnmower. <laughs> big time. Anyway, so Francis is saying, no, this place is evil. I can't go in there. So Bonnie, her mom, is like, look, you know, we got to have a place. It's got enough rooms. It's it's a large house. And she's saying, this is this is beautiful here. You know, let's go. Let's just go take a look at it. So she talks her into it. And they get inside. And this is a 19th century uh, home. And they walk through it, and both parents are just in love with it immediately. This is great. This is what we need for the kids. It's out in the country. We're out of the city. Um, Jeremy loves it. Jennifer loves it. Frances still doesn't, you know, she's not too keen on it. But so they put it to a vote. The whole family votes. Again, guess who's voted out? Frances. So they decide they're going to buy the house. So the family moves in, and shortly thereafter, um, they believe this is going to be a new start for them, start fresh, and it's going to be wonderful, right? And they actually, after they get their own space, and Francis realized, hey, I got my own room. I don't have to share it with my sister anymore. This is pretty cool. So they all pick their own rooms, and they get settled in for their first night. Very first night, Jeremy, their son, is awakened out of a sound sleep to a loud banging in his room. So he looks all around the room and sees nothing. Then he begins to hear these voices whispering to him from all around him. He said it's just like it was not just coming from over here. It was like everywhere, right? So boy is scared shitless. He runs in there to his mom. Mom, mom, you know, hey, all this is going on. So Bonnie, she's a little freaked out too because, you know, new house and all that. And she says, well, you know, new environments, big drafty house. You know, so she thinks that's a reason her son is scared. She gets him calmed back down, takes him uh, to his bedroom, tucks him in, and she finds his little flashlight. He's got this little flashlight has three different colors on it. And um, she tells him if he feels scared, if he thinks there's something in there going to get him, just turn on the green light, and any monsters that are in there will be scared away from the green light, just like the Green Lantern. I don't think that works. No? Right. So Bonnie may have been full of it, but she figured, you know, this is going to work with, with Jeremy. Anyway, parents never believe. <laughs> I know. Right. Uh, so anyway, she gets him tucked in and he's fine. Later that night, uh, Jeremy gets waking back up, loud banging noises in his room again. He grabs his little flashlight, his, that scares off monsters and he starts shining it around the room and it doesn't scare off the monster. There's this huge shadow figure in the room with him. Jeremy screams, dives up underneath his sheet with his his little protective light, and he's sitting there shaking and, you know, just scared to death, and then the sheets get pulled off. Mm-mm. Sheets fly across the room towards the window. He screams, and he runs in there tells his mom, of course. So this happened just about every night for weeks. And, I mean, night after night, and it's, it was always around 11 o'clock. 
So the next one to get jacked with was Jennifer, the uh, the younger daughter. So one evening she's in there in front of this big mirror in her room and she's brushing her hair out and she hears the sound of these whispers and they're coming from behind her. When she turns around, she is met with nothing but silence. She sees nothing, but she feels as if she's being watched and she's not wanting to get too scared. And she thinks, okay, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm imagining things, you know, because you know, this is this big spooky old house, you know. So she writes it off. And later in that night as she's sleeping, she is jolted awake, but not from a banging. She is jolted awake because her whole bed is shaking and vibrating. And literally. You put a quarter in there. I say, is it one of those yeah, you put a quarter in? I, I don't know. It may have been one that you could put the quarter in. But it didn't say that. And so at first the bed is just shaking and and vibrating and then she said it felt as if someone were underneath the bed and punching up through the mattress into her back so she jumps out of bed slips falls in the floor and when she falls in the floor she can see underneath the bed she looks underneath the bed and there's nothing there oh i was gonna say oh, glowing red eyes the bed. that's she looked under the bed there's nothing there anyway she thought okay nobody's gonna believe me I'm just going to keep this to myself. And so she moves the bed in the room into a different position and thinking this will maybe solve this issue, right? So I don't, I don't know what makes your bed vibrate that you can move it to another part of the room and it doesn't happen, but that's what she did. So now this thing, it's harassing two of the children, right? Okay. Two nights following Jennifer's initial experience, she's laying in bed, talking on the phone with a friend, and suddenly the bed starts shifting around and moving in the room. No. And she's so scared she can't speak. Her friend's calling out her name. She's not answering. It's almost like she's frozen. And her friend just continues, you know, trying to talk to her, and suddenly the the shaking, it stops. And her anxiety is just like through the roof she's freaked out so the following morning jennifer just can't take it anymore she leaves out of her bedroom to go find her mom well her mom is out in the garden and she's pruning some bushes in the courtyard she tells her mother that her bed was moving on its own and shaking and she was terrified now bonnie the mom you know how parents just don't believe right Mm -hmm. bonnie thinks oh honey (laughs) Baby, you were ju- you just had a bad dream. Just Don't the house you- settling. It was the house settling. So Jennifer starts crying. And so, you know, this just kills Bonnie. And she she calls a family meeting, says, Hey, look, um, I want to have a family meeting because Jennifer thinks that she's had these strange experiences in her bedroom, and she asked the family, Has anyone else been having any of these strange spirit experiences? Well, evidently that's all the the prompting they needed because the whole family just opens up. All of us, yes. Everybody's been having something happen, right? And it's various experiences, the entire family. And um, Bonnie said later uh, during an interview that when something strange happens to you, you try to rationalize it. You try to write it out. But when we had this meeting, as everyone was sharing their experiences, it became far too... um, much to be a coincidence obviously something's wrong with this house 
And so the Beckwiths are worried to death. They don't know what they're going to do or how they're going to deal with it. Um, so after some brainstorming, Bonnie remembers the names Ed and Lorraine Warren. Oh, okay. And she recalls seeing something about the Amityville investigation <clears throat> and their involvement with it. What year was this? I uh, This was in 1998. <clears throat> oh, it was pretty recent. Yeah. Um. So anyway, she's um, lost my place. Let me get back here. Um, The warrants. Okay. She recalls seeing something about the Amityville investigation. She reaches out to them thinking, this has got to be my best bet. I'm going to try to get through to them. So she she gets her number somehow. I don't know how that would, you look them on the phone book or what. But uh, anyway, she gets a hold of Lorraine Warren. Now, they said the, uh, that they would come out. Jennifer, the younger daughter, she's like, she's the one with the, the shaky bed. She's like, these guys aren't going to be able to do anything. Um, but she's willing to give it a shot. You know, I mean, anything to be rid of this thing that's shaking her bed in the middle of the night. So anyway, Bonnie gets a hold of the Warrens. They come out that very evening to speak to him. Now, at this point... The Warrens, you know, they're like the most famous ghost hunters ever, you know, probably. And at this point, they'd been investigating for 30 years. Um, And by now, they have some infamous cases to their credit, you know. And so anyway, upon greeting with the family, when they get there, Lorraine um, does her thing and, you know, walks the house, you know, prior to to really talking to them. And... um, as she's walking through the house, she said it was as if something felt like it was smothering her, just this very oppressive feeling, and she couldn't, she said it was a horrible experience and very uncomfortable, and I can't imagine uh, living there. So, the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, so Lorraine makes her way back to Jennifer's room, where the shaking bed was. And she is stopped in her tracks by this flashing image in her mind. And it's the image of this demonic creature. And she felt like that that room was the origin of this thing. That's where it was was coming through into the house was through that room. And she um, felt like that there had been many instances of violence that had occurred right there. So shortly after this, she would conclude her walk through and she'd meet with the family to discuss, to tell them what she felt like they were dealing with. And her conclusion was that the home was infested with a very strong demonic entity. So Bonnie and Sean um, had initially, Sean, the husband, initially discussed moving out. The Warrens uh, advised them against this. They said, look, if you move out, you get in your car and you leave this very moment, these things could very well follow you to wherever you go. You know, we've seen that in other, you know, stories um, and accounts of people leaving, trying to get away from something like that, and it just follows them to the new place. Right. So the uh, it starts to haunt them and not the place. <coughs> you know, it happened to the Smurls when they left. You know, mm-hmm. so um, so they didn't really have a choice. They were just going to have to to stay and fight this thing. And um, the Warrens told him, you know, we need to gather some more evidence to see what we're dealing with. 
uh, that way we'll know how to deal with it. So they suggested that everybody keep cameras by their bedside and any time that they felt like something was there or they saw something or they heard something, just snap a picture and maybe they could catch something. Okay, by this time it was like November and Bonnie's mother had arrived to visit to had arrived to visit with the family for Thanksgiving. And of course they tell her this is what's been going on and you know we just want to warn you <laughs> basically and but she you know it's thanksgiving she wants to be there with her family so she stays anyway and she's a very upbeat happy person known for her rambunctious sense of humor and the uh, having someone with a you know that happy-go-lucky attitude in the house they felt like it you know this might be this might help and this might be what we need you know just to to brighten our spirits for a while and so they they spent the day uh when she arrived talking hanging around the house and you know preparing for thanksgiving the next day and as bonnie's mother went to bed that night went to her room for that evening she took a took her medication she was going to watch some tv so she's sitting on the bed watching tv and it suddenly turns off and thinking perhaps it was going out or something that sort she clicked it back on and continued to watch her program after a bit the tv shut off again this time in the reflection of the black screen on the tv she sees standing in the corner of her room nope three entities nope so she's like (gasps) and she turns and she looks and there's nothing there and so this this freaks her out so badly that she's like i I can't stay. She said that every hair on her body was standing on the end as if electricity had permeated the air. And so the next morning, she she leaves out. And so the next thing, Jennifer takes it upon herself to take photos of the room. This is where her grandmother was going to stay. And so the, the house is about 70 degrees. She gets into this room, and it feels like it's freezing. You can see the breath come out. Um, anyway, she starts snapping photos, and then she gets out of there. Several days later, the Warrens arrive uh, for a second time. This time, they bring the crew with them, and they start a proper investigation of the home. And among the crew was a psychic medium by the name of Lee. Now, Lee's job, she was going to try to make contact with these entities and figure out why they were there. So the Beckwiths have arranged for their son, Jeremy, to stay with nearby relatives. But their two two teenage girls are allowed to stay uh, and observe the the investigation right alongside the crew. I think that's nuts. I think if you got family, get your kids out of that situation. I mean, Zach and the gang always at least had the family around for part of it for the initial walkthrough and that initial investigation. But then the lockdown, they don't. Yeah, and they get them out. Well, I'm saying if you got kids there, though. I'm not going to bring them into it. No. They're already freaked out. Yeah. So maybe they were excited because, oh, it's the Warrens. You know, by now, the Warrens are famous in 1998. You know, they've already had what they had. uh, Amityville. They had the Smurls. They had the Snedekers. The Nun. Huh? (laughs) The Nun. Yeah. The Conjuring. 
Um, anyway, so they're the famous. So you know the the kids may just want to be hanging out because here's you know all these investigators Cameras. doing that stuff. Yeah, it might have been cool, you know. Yeah. Um. Anyway, um. So the the kids are going to hang out. At first, they don't see anything strange in the photos that they've been taking. And so the family starts sharing their photos with Ed and Lorraine, and they're, and they're seeing these. Lorraine finds one of Bonnie's pictures, though, and it has some kind of... Bonnie thought it was just a glitch in the film, but Lorraine Warren felt it um, was demonic and that she had actually caught a picture of this demon in the film. And not just any demon, but this was a high-level demon. From the picture, she could tell that? She could tell that from the picture. But, you know, Lorraine is supposedly an empath, so. And, uh, but, you know, there's always that with the Ed and Lorraine and their stories, there's always that kind of, yeah, no, yeah, that's kind of. Is it always a demon? Come, yeah. come on, come on, Zach. Is it always a demon? Well, you well, know, it's and like I he's can't. He's a demonologist, so I feel like yeah. he feels like everything is. And like it's, that. I mean,. I hate to say this, but it's good for the museums, good for business. If everything is a demon, and you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that's what it was, but anyway. So, but you're not saying that's not what it I'm not was saying either. that's not what it was either. But I'm just, I'm just saying that this is what was reported. Did you hear that Scottish hello? <laughs> I, I sure think did. John just opened up that bottle again for me. Thank you, John. Mm-hmm. Um, so. The family is just taking all this in, and you know they're uh, don't burn yourself. Nah. So, and as they're talking, all of a sudden this Lee okay, starts shaking and, the, and the trembling. The what is shaking? Lee, the uh, the medium. Oh, okay. I thought you said Leaf. I'm sorry. I no, was, Lee. Lee. Okay. Lee, Lay, whatever. Um, she starts shaking and trembling. Well, somebody who knows the protocol with her takes a pen and puts it in her hand and a piece of paper uh, and she's doing spirit she does the automatic writing yeah yeah so she starts she starts writing and scribbling and um so Lorraine said now for somebody to be doing an an automatic writing in a house that we believe has a demon in it is especially dangerous because you're opening yourself up to be possessed by this thing i saw cindy Kaza do automatic writing sitting at the well inside bobby mackey's yeah was it pretty cool yeah i mean it wasn't Did she get anything? particularly dangerous uh she get anything i don't worry it's been a while well, since you i've can't, seen that how would it seem dangerous on, if you that can't, was on a uh, see them portals to hell on jack <laughs> osborne's show so anyway, I think the automatic writing thing is interesting. I do too. I, I it kind of scares. It's kind of like a Ouija board. I don't think I would try it. I don't want to try it. I don't want to open myself up. You literally like would. You literally would be allowing something to use you as a vessel to. I would just be right like boobs, boobs, or, oh my. <laughs> or just be like scratch. watermelon, watermelon. <laughs> so anyway, she starts doing this automatic writing, and. The uh, when she's finished, it just the shaking becomes uncontrollable, and so they take the paper away from her and they read what it says. So the paper reads, "Get out," and that's repeated several times. Get out, get out, get out, along with a final line: "You don't belong here." 
She and, could have. Yeah, I mean, no. So everybody in the room is freaked out, but especially the Beckwiths. They're like, "Oh my God!" You know, we got to get out of here. Not only does this it's thing painted, yeah. Not only does this thing want to scare us because it's been scaring them, but you know, it hadn't really tried to hurt or anything. And they are concerned that this presence that's in the house really wishes to harm them now. If it really wanted to. It could have already. It could have already. Yeah, I just, if I'm a ghost and I like, I don't like these people. I want them out, and some psychic comes in. And I got a chance to automate. What I'm going to say? Get out. But how many times have we heard about you know people have a haunting and then a medium shows up and it pisses the spirits off for whatever reason? You know, you hear it, that a it, lot. That it's pretty common actually. So anyway, this chick, uh, the medium, is very mentally and physically taxed afterwards. And so it's that time of the night where everybody's going to part ways. So the Warrens and Lee and some of the, the crew leave. Now, two guys stay, two investigators. They choose to stay overnight and they collect to collect additional data. And they set up multiple cameras and microphones, and but they reserve most of them for the room where Jennifer normally was. Um, the family, of course, sleeps in the living room now because everybody stays together as a group. The uh, the kitchen becomes the main hub where the investigators um, command center. Yeah, the command center. So they're in there in the kitchen and they're talking to the investigators as they're watching their screens and they're monitoring everything. Suddenly, Bonnie suddenly loses her breath as if she's frozen and felt like she described it later as something very cold passed through her very soul and the family's trying to figure out what's taking place jennifer goes in to comfort her mother and she's overtaken by the very same experience now shortly after the incident the two investigators um, that were staying there overnight begin to pick up these unnatural noises originating from jennifer's room the noises that they heard were the sound of flapping like wings and it sounded like multiple birds Mm-mm. see there, there i go i'm out i don't like birds it, so, i don't like birds Mm-mm. yeah and so here's the thing the room is completely sealed up the windows are shut doors shut nobody's in there but there's these flapping sounds like birds only wings i want to hear are wings hitting that fryer oh my gosh <laughs> so it goes from this flapping sound to these banging noises and it's not confined to the room it travels throughout the house and it's as if the description was that it's coming out of the walls it's not coming from the next room over it's in the walls and then it moves into the floors and the ceiling as well and they can feel it from underneath their feet like it's hitting the floor underneath their feet as they're sitting in the kitchen and so these two would make their way back to Jennifer's bedroom where the activity was originating from and they began to ask a series of provoking questions hoping to interact with the entities present to try and decipher if the haunting was intelligent or not after asking multiple questions one knock for yes two knocks for no uh, they were soon answered time and time again through their inquiries they believe that there are two human spirits in the home and one non-human spirit basing the knowledge off of previous cases they had worked on 
they believed that this entity was attacking and keeping two human spirits from passing on. And, you know, that was the case in the Smurl where there were three three spirits and then one demon. The demon was controlling right. the spirits and not allowing them to pass, etc. And... Um, the uh, they also believed if they could get the demon and get it out that the other two spirits would so this non-human is non-human demon yeah that it would that the other spirits would be able to pass as well okay and so anyway this activity continued all night long until daybreak the following morning so the researchers take their findings to the warrens and together with the original crew lay included they would return two days later to attempt to make contact with the human spirits. So the Warrens are made aware of the strange experiences Bonnie and Jennifer had shared, as well as the sounds and responses and the convictions of the two men who had stayed overnight to document this. So they show back up. Lee begins to shake again. She begins to furiously write as Ed Warren began to ask the spirit coming through her that she was channeling, why Why was it here? What did it want? And he also asked the year. What year is it? As soon as he asked the question, Lee suddenly stopped writing and dropped the pen. Then she answered him in a voice that was not her own. A deep and raspy voice replied to Ed and said, why are you questioning me? And then it told, unceremoniously told Ed to shut his mouth. So I don't know if she said shut the fuck up or, or what, because it didn't specifically say, but she told him to shut up. So as soon as she did this, she stood up, flung the chair backwards as she's standing up, and takes this solid, heavy oak table, and evidently she's a tiny little person, and she shoved this table into Ed's stomach and presses him all the way up against the wall and holds him there. I assume that their camera crews were recording all of this, right? I, I'm sure that there were. <clears throat> but she pushes him all the way against the wall, pins him there. It takes three grown men to hold Lee back from... Uh, continuing to jam the table into Ed. And uh, so several minutes later, she finally returns to her normal self. They let her go. Um, And after making sure that Ed was okay, of course, the group looks to see what was written on the notepad. They read the names Anna and then George Robertson, as well as a partially written year of 1880. And then it was indistinguishable after that. But 188, 1880-something. So when everything settled down, the Warrens and the crew left for that night. The family slept together in the living room as a single unit, as had become their their practice. And the Warrens had told them, they said, the the only way that you're going to get through this, you're going to have to face it as a family. You're all going to have to stay bonded and banded together to fight off this thing. So they slept well for the rest of the night and didn't have anything else happen. The next morning, Jennifer and Bonnie go to the local library. They're going to try and research the names that Lee had written right. down. Next logical step, right? Exactly. Okay. 
So they get to reading through the property records dating back to the 1800s. They find a man named George, George Robertson okay. who owned their very same property and bought it in the year of 1888. So they felt like that this proved that Lee was legit. Right. And they knew, now they have some real concrete information to work with. Is his wife's name Anna? Or his I, daughter? They, You know... Uh, I'll get to it later, but they actually never found anything about an Anna. Mm. At least in property records. You would no, not in the property only records. Had men oh, that's right. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it would have been listed that's under true. his name. Women could have no such thing. I mean, y'all weren't well, even allowed to vote back then. Yeah. <laughs> Suffrage remember, was much later. Just remember mm-hmm. that the that man gave you the right. To vote. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And look what they did with it. I know, right? (sighs) Mm. Oh, my. No, I mean, so that, but they never found anything about Anna. Um, so anyway, they said they go to the next thing they do is they go to a graveyard that's like 10 minutes from their house. And the first gravestone they read. They walk in and boom, there it is. George Robertson, born 1860, died 1927. Did they dig him up, burn it, salt and burn his bones? I drive a salt or a stake through his heart. I don't well, know. Well, you know, which you got to salt him and then burn him. That's what the Winchesters taught us. Yeah, right. Because that, you know, that's legit. And so anyway, uh, they worth a shot. Yeah, right. They worked. <laughs> they worked further to try to find out more about George's life and discover additional information, but never found anything. And the name Anna, but nothing was ever found out about Anna. Um, after the family found the gravesite, and I think this is interesting, but after they found the gravesite, the family got a small reprieve of a few days, no activity. Remember, this is between Thanksgiving and Christmas now. So almost Christmas time and the kids are all in um, Francis's room the oldest daughter um, and one of the doorknobs starts jiggling and shaking so the two girls see this and they don't say anything because Jeremy's in there with them and they don't want to freak him out right well then suddenly all the room all the doorknobs in the room the closet door the bathroom door the Everything shaking at the same time. And, you know, because when they first heard it, they thought, well, you know, it's just our mind playing tricks on us. And then this happens, and then the doors are just rattling in their frames, and it's freaking them out. And so they all uh, grab Jeremy, and they run out of the room, run to Bonnie, and tell her what's going on. She calls Lorraine Warren, who arranges to have a priest come out and bless uh, the house so the priest arrives uh, several hours later with Lorraine Warren in tow and they bless the house two days after the blessing uh, Bonnie gets this compulsion to draw so just just drawing the same thing over and over and over and she gets getting these flashes in her head that she's just got to get out on paper and it's a tree she keeps drawing a pre a, a tree and this compulsion gets worse and worse and suddenly she's overcome with sorrow and like she's in mourning 
Bonnie believes that she is being influenced by Anna. She thought that Anna had experienced a loss of a loved one, and it just broke her. So, as she's drawing this paper, she's basically crying the whole time. And all this is going on. The family continues to sleep in the living room. They're not getting any sleep, hardly. Um, and the anxiety and the, the stress is just starting to take its toll. So, Bonnie reaches back out to Lorraine Warren. And the uh, Lorraine believed that the blessing had unfortunately not cleansed the home entirely. and But rather just wounded or pissed off whatever demonic entity was there entity and given enough time this thing would get its strength back and would come back even angrier than before and her timing couldn't have been better because it was that night the family was laying in the living room they're drifting off to sleep and a book flies off the shelf at them and then another one and then another one so these things are just flying at them across the room. And this went on for several minutes. There was a vase that was broken that flew off the shelf. Um, so Bonnie calls Lorraine again. Lorraine tells Bonnie that she had already contacted the local archdiocese. And it had been in contact with the priest who was already preparing himself to come to perform the exorcism. But it was going to be three more days before he could get there. What's up? Is it? On the house, I guess. Mm-hmm. Exorcism on the house. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. You do the minor rite of exorcism on an inanimate object. I'm getting there. Okay. <laughs> so the priest, he needed three more days to prepare because he's got to fast. He's got to confess his sins. He's got to be pure when he goes in to perform the exorcism. Well, at three days. That puts the exorcism, the rite of exorcism, the day after Christmas Day. Boxing Day. So they decide to wait it out and not leave the house because they were going to go get a hotel. They said, screw it, we're out, we're done. And so Bonnie, all of a sudden, she gets, she has this feeling she needs to isolate and start drawing again. And so this time it's not a tree. This time she draws a pyramid. And on... To one side of the pyramid, there's these heavenly rays coming down out of the sky next to the pyramid. On the other side, there's this raging storm that's going on. And coming towards the pyramid, walking towards it, are three spirits, is the way it was described. So these three spirits are walking towards the pyramid. And so in the midst of this drawing and and isolating, she receives a call from Lorraine and explains to her what she's being compelled to do and what she feels like she needs to do. Lorraine says, you need to stop. She said, that is the spirits that are channeling through you. And you need to stop immediately because you're going to open up a door and you might not be able to close it. So she goes, so she stops, even though she has these intrusive thoughts, she wants to draw. Following day is Christmas Eve. Bonnie's mother has worked up the courage to visit them again. As she arrives and talks to the family, not having seen them since Thanksgiving morning when she bolted the first time because she was scared, she suddenly falls ill. She gets a temp that runs up over 100. And the uh, 
and it shows no sign of slowing down. So they take her to the hospital. Uh, suddenly, she has this heart condition she's never had issues with before. And the doctors find that she has this irregular heartbeat, and they're concerned about her, so they decide to keep her overnight. Now, while they're doing this, the oldest daughter, Frances, is out running Christmas errands, last-minute shopping, you know, make sure you get some scotch tape, make sure you get some paper, that kind of stuff. She's coming back to the house, and as she's coming back to the house, car on the other side of the road, runs wide, head-on collision. She wasn't hurt, uh, you know, other than minor injuries. She wasn't dead. That was good. Um, so they've got her mom in the hospital, and they tell her they want to pray over her. This is uh, Bonnie and Jennifer. Bonnie's the mom. Bonnie's the mom. Jennifer's the younger daughter. And they're at the hospital with the grandmother, Grandma. Bonnie's mother. Right. So they start praying over her, and the mother... Uh, the grandmother, I'm sorry, Bonnie's mother, starts saying her prayers, but starts saying it backwards. Now, <laughs> I know, right? Now, this could be uh, just... impressive. Huh? That's impressive. Starts saying the prayers backwards. So she's like, she catches herself and she stops. And they said she was like really confused and shocked. And she tried to correct it, but couldn't. Every time she tried to go to say a prayer, it started coming out backwards. This could be a traumatic brain injury. Code. Could be a traumatic brain injury. And she could be old. Her wire I mean, got knocked loose in that. Yeah, car. but that's even then. It's weird to go completely backwards. I mean, she wasn't in the car. It was the daughter. Right, the daughter. Oh, the grandma is the one oh, that grandma had the grandma has a heart condition. Heart condition. Undiagnosed previously. Well, remember, my grandmother started spelling her. She'd be talking she, to you and spell it. But. And they thought go, she was having a stroke. Yeah, to go backwards, though. I don't think she was going... I can't remember. And I can see word salad. Right. You know? But where they mix their words up. the real words all the way backwards. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. So... Um, like saying the words in the prayer backwards or saying the words themselves backwards? Like, I wasn't there. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to assume that it's in reverse order. And yeah, not, not actually, actually not actually flipping the words. Yeah, like, it's like heaven, art. Not like taking the be. I can't do. It. I can't do it. Not like taking the stairway to heaven and sticking it on there and spinning it back. Satan. Yeah, yeah, heaven to stairway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hairway to Stephen. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a butthole surfers album. Okay, so Bonnie's kind of freaked out about her mother, so she calls the chaplain at the hospital and asks him to pray over her. And uh, of the mother, it in forward, not reverse. Yeah, it, I it was his choice, I guess. You know, dealer's choice. <laughs> if he so, could do Latin backwards, <laughs> amazing. Yeah, Definitely. that's pretty impressive. <laughs> Something suspicious going on there. <laughs> so two days later, the exorcist shows up because it was Christmas Eve that all this had taken place. The Christmas Christmas Eve. That's when the exorcist is going to be there so he shows up as soon as he steps foot in the house uh he was obviously feeling the oppression from this thing and so anyway since an entity entity i always say entity instead of entity i don't know why i do that entity energy entity 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 yeah i want to say it wrong every time since an entity 
You can, look at me funny when I say bold or old. Or <laughs> well, I, well, I know because I actually think there's you more than some, one syllable oil, in all of those put things. Put some oil on your starting coil. No, oil, coil. Put some oil on your starting oil, coil. Oil, coil. So You also say figure. Well, how else are you going to figure it It's a it figure. Out? No, you got to figure Unless it. you figure it. <laughs> you got to figure out how to talk right. Don't get all uppity on us. <laughs> I'll start talking backwards. Hang on. Fixing, Don't get uppity on us. To get offended. I, I see you in the morning without makeup. <laughs> Don't do that. Talk about being offended. She's not a Texas. <laughs> right. I am Texas born. She is, but she's been everywhere. She picked up some of that Yankeeism. Born in mm-hmm. Temple. Okay. Back to the story. Yard die. Yard getting me all over Sorry. the place. Okay. So, priest. This, the priest goes into the house, and the entity can dwell in a place, but it can't take possession of it. Just people. Just people. Right. Okay. So it that's why. I, that's why place. I asked that when you said that. I said you can't. So you he, can't. You can. It can bless a place. You can. It can stay in a in a vessel, but it can't live in that house vessel. Right. Has to have a person it needs a living vessel. So the trees, the priest is going to try this risky strategy uh, to rid the home once for all. He decides to use Lee, the medium, as bait, uh, live bait, if you will, and he's going to try to attempt to draw the demon into her and oh, then nice. cast it out. That's irresponsible. That's awful. Hey. But this was this but was it actually, makes for a great story. Yeah, but this was actually sanctioned by. I don't know. I didn't. But it was the archdiocese, and this is a. I don't know that they've tried this before. You don't you have to get permission from Rome? Yeah, in modern time. To, mm-hmm. Yeah, you do now. I know from Russell Crowe. To, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Pope's exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's his plan. So they take Lee and they restrain her to protect her from herself. Of course. And to protect everyone else from her. They open up all the windows in the house and they're going to try to cleanse the home first of any and all negative energy. So he goes through once again. I guess this is a different priest because this is the exorcist. And so the exorcist is going through the house and he's blessing the house. And the very last room to be blessed is the living room. And this is in an effort to literally piss the demon off. Mm-hmm. And because it's not going to do anything to it. So, you know, other than piss it off. So they're going to get the demon to the last room in the house where Lee is and to piss it off. They were successful. Lee had fallen into a deep trance while. The exorcist had been around blessing the house. And upon him stepping back into the room, she began to hiss and scream and an unearthly growl. And so then the exorcism. Nay, uh, demon. Nay. The exorcism begins. I was reading on one. I read several accounts on this, but one of them, uh, it was talking about how she had. It sounded like there were two voices speaking at one time and not just. You know, I mean, I can act like I have a growl yeah, or something. Anybody can, and he can do it. Possessed, you know. But no, this was two voices, like an echo reverb type. Thing. Wrong priest. <laughs> hey, right. <laughs> Wrong. Bring me the priest. So, 
So she has this unearthly growl and the scream, and the battle of wheels begin. And concluding the exorcism, the priest places a blessed crucifix upon Lee's forehead. So they've gone through hours of this. And she lets out a gasp that sounds like two people speaking. Yeah, this two people speaking all at once, and then she goes limp. Suddenly, she glances back up at the priest with a sinister grin on her face. The sound of splintering wood can be heard. She breaks the legs off the chair that she is restrained to and lunges at the priest, hissing and screaming at the top of her lungs. She's placed back in or onto the floor, I guess. Uh, They're holding her. She lets out one more horrific scream and at that point everything just kind of washes clean and all the feeling of the pressure and um, the being watched the oppressiveness that they're feeling just gets lifted away and it's gone so the exorcism was successful into her no she became possessed he cast the demon out of her okay he did this is kind of like uh, but now when a demon is cast out it goes back to hell it doesn't just jump out of her and go into the Oh, no, I, into the see, house. I saw it on Supernatural. The, the smoke goes right into another person, right into another person. <laughs> I, I would base my theories on something a little more than Supernatural. You might want to... This is very similar to the exorcist plan of sucking the demon into you and then jumping out the window. Mm-hmm. About to say, yeah. Which never really didn't, happened. Didn't, didn't happen, happen either, but... but just um, in the movie. So anyway, the, uh, after that, life went back to normal for the Beckwiths. Guess how long it lasted? A day. Five years. Actually, it lasted a little longer than that. But how long? I I don't know. Oh. I don't I don't actually know, but I know it wasn't the next day, um, because they had peace in the house until get this, the home across the street was being restored. I didn't see anything across the street. And remodeled. I didn't either. All I saw was But we couldn't find the address. That was the wrong address. Remember when we looked up at Google Maps? It was not the right address. So I don't know where exactly it was. But as excavators dug into the earth around the home, this is the one across the street, guess what they find? Numerous human bones, and it is believed that they disturbed an ancient Native American burial ground. That's easy enough to fix. You call in some Pequot elders. You go down to the casino. You get the chief, and then you come down and you have them bless it. And you do it, pro- you know. I mean, okay. You 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 can actually bring the the tribe itself in on the fixing there of the okay. problem. So following this accidental exhumation, the family guess what happens to them? They begin to experience paranormal events again within their home. Nothing like before, and they said they knew how to deal with it. It wasn't, they weren't they being oppressed. Threatened. Right. They weren't being oppressed by the demonic. You know, this was just old, do they, do they old Native Americans walking house? around. Is that their Honda, their Honda Accord I saw parked up front? Honestly, I, from what I've read, it's been sold several times over. What about people that have lived there since then? Any, Any I reports? I, I don't, I don't reports? recall seeing anything about that. Mm. Hmm. So, so there may have been some native spirits, and you, it was relatively easy to deal with you as long as you treat the remains with respect. Yeah, I mean, it's a, they'll leave you alone. 
Well. Ish. I just love these things with Ed and Lorraine Warren because it's always, it's always a demon. Always. Every always single right. time. It's kind of like somebody else. Well, that's not always demon. Sometimes it's just dead family members and stuff <laughs> in the house. But, but, right, Zach, right. But Attack. With Ed and Lorraine, it's not always, look, I've seen every single episode. Of okay, I haven't. I got to be honest, I haven't. All 26 seasons every. Mm-hmm. It's not always demon. Sometimes it's just the, the gunslinger that was murdered in the in the saloon, or so, you know. See, was he just sucking up to Zach? Yeah, he was. I thought he was. Totally Were you just was. sucking up to Zach? I felt that in you my bones. You don't want to get canceled. <laughs> I wasn't sucking up. To- oh, I've seen I've seen every episode, and it's not always demons. It's, it's nearly not always, always. Well, he he's always affected, and yeah, come on. well, went there, but it's not always him that's affected. Sometimes it's Aaron. Sometimes. But tell me one time the Warrens have not found a demon in a house. Exactly. Yeah, I don't because I've don't never know. heard of them saying the Warrens went and investigated, and they said, "Oh, this person's just nuts. This is another one in this house." <laughs> it's it's, it's always there's been plenty of people that have said that demon. about the Warrens. Um, right. I mean, I hate this because they're like kind of the they're like the Godfathers. Godfather and Godmother of yeah them and uh, what's the other guy uh, I can't remember anyway it doesn't matter um, yeah. still at some point if you're a demon if you're if you're a hammer everything looks like a nail right if you're a demonologist everything, everything looks, looks like, like a demon, demon right? right I agree if you if you go to a paranormal investigation you might see a ghost you might not but if you go ghost hunting you're gonna find a ghost, you know, and well, I agree. Yeah, but you can I'm, find I'm, a ghost. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I agree. You can find a ghost, but that ghost, it's like when we went to that place. I didn't ever sense anything evil in there or anything uh, at all. No, uh, definitely there was something over in that corner, and but, there was something in that corner, and but it wasn't evil. There were we called EVPs and that couple of really. It said, "Don't be scared." It's it don't did. Be don't be scared. Don't be scared. It's don't it be says scared. That. I do like scared. <laughs> don't be scared. Don't be scared. Be scared. So I think this is a really good story, but um, I have I've never heard about this the this this one the Hell House one. Mm. I, I, this whole the whole bit with them sleeping in the living room and the the two investigators staying at the house in the kitchen and some stuff happening. It sounds like one of the Conjuring films, but well, it uh, Snedekers all kind of blend together after a while. the Snedekers. They did Don't the they? same thing. They had investigators wow. that stayed there. They all slept in the living room. Well, that's a haunting in Connecticut, the mm-hmm. film yeah. haunting Connecticut, which is not yeah. part of the Conjuring universe. Yeah. <laughs> it's different, not part of the different Ed movie. Lorraine Warren film universe. But it was Ed and Lorraine that, were, that actually conducted the investigation and the exorcism there. Because remember, that was the kid that, that had cancer. Yeah, they, uh, might have com- they might have combined some stories in the films. Uh, uh, you mean taking artistic license? Taking some artistic license. <laughs> Like I bet little. they did. Like the real Ed Warren looks nothing like Patrick Wilson, <laughs> <laughs> and the real Lorraine looked nothing like Vera Farmiga. Do you know what's funny though? So when all these when all these started, you know, 
Carrie. I wonder if Lorraine, when they went to get permission from Lorraine. She's like, uh, you can play I me. Want, I want that real pretty boy. Oh, yeah, and <laughs> like, I want me to be like played Ed. by that Vera Vermiculio. Vera who? I can't say her last name. <laughs> Apparently it's, not. It's too many so she is. Vera. She's, <laughs> she's beautiful, though. <laughs> you make me think of that. Uh, make me think of that uh, that movie where... Her last name sounds like a pasta, like a special Latu. pasta that only like certain Nonas in in Sicily know how to hand make. <laughs> Nonas. John's like a what's the name? An army of dead. Uh, was that army of darkness? Army of darkness. Like army ash. of darkness. Army of, of ash. Yeah. John's over there. Klatu Verata. <laughs> there, I've said the words. <laughs> Vera. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're looking it up. We'll get the syllables right. Um, yes. No, Vera. I was going to leave you alone. <laughs> now, I have to correct myself. I'm going to have to look it up. Yeah, I don't know how you say her name. But, her, so, what do y'all think? Uh, you think it was. The conjuring. So, what do we think about Ed and Lorraine as a rule? For Maggie? For, 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 for Maggie? For Maggie? For Maggie? For Maggie? For Maggie? Fermiga. He's got to put that in there. He gets you sound a, like, he Italiano. Like, you sound like one of the Google how to pronounce Banta it. Pantaprazoli. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do we think about the Warrens as a whole? You think they were legit? I do in some in some I, I really instances. Do. Yes, I really do. I mean, I, I here's what I think. I believe the Warrens believe that they're real. I, yeah, right. that's what I believe. I believe the Warrens believe. And I have encountered enough on my own to know even what I've experienced with stuff flying across the room at me and things like that. I know that there are things out there that have the ability, whether you want to you want to call them demons, you want to call them jinn, evil spirits, whatever, that have the ability to grab objects and chunk them at, across the room. So probably there's some more out there that are strong enough to pick up a bed and shake it. Wouldn't and, they also be strong enough to say, get out? Without having to go through a psychic medium to automatically write I don't know the rules, I don't think anybody does. And do the this is nineteen ninety eight, right? Mm-hmm. Ninety eight. Mm-hmm. You ever you had handheld recorders who could be doing EVPs? And stuff. I'm going to buy that first before I buy. Oh, I am possessed by the uh, get out of my house from the medium. You know, mm-hmm. if I hear a voice that wasn't there when it was read, that's much more. Convincing. I guess there's part of me that wants to. I want to know, like, what made them legit? Like, all of a sudden, why are they so? Because he's some demonologist, which I need to read up on. Because to me, that I mean, Amityville was their right. That's one. I mean, that was, was that a their big breakout one. though. Was I that think? or there was that one in England. In Twistle, was it the Enfield thing? Enfield, yeah. yeah, Enfield, Enfield hunting, yeah. But uh, I don't know. It seems like though after but these a while, guys had toured all over the world and and been on on the TV shows. Yeah, I mean, but I'm just saying, like, what made them such a? Which I mean, maybe that's just a, a, we could go down that. I guess that whole history of just Ed and Lorraine Warren. I just, I mean. Well, they had been at it for a long time. So here's the thing. We all believe sitting at this table that there are things out there that we don't understand. Sure. And we can't explain, right? So all of us have encountered things that we can't explain, 
you know, and we don't know what truly know what they are. I don't try to frame it in a Catholic dogma. No, you know, oh, this is a demon, a servant of but Satan. We, or something. we all yeah, have limited right. limited experience in you know seeking out these things. I was just going right? to say this is an unpleasant entity that was banging yeah. the walls, right? Yeah. So we've, but we we've all had experiences, and <clears throat> but we've had limited experiences. <clears throat> these are people that lived and breathed and. Their everyday life revolved around chasing down demons and spirits well, exactly. and paranormal. Yes. Apparently, exactly. So apparently she was a medium. Mm-hmm. Had always been considered that way. Mm-hmm. He's a self-taught demonologist. Right. And a devout Catholic. And I think it was because they established the New England Society for Psychic Research which is the oldest paranormal research organization in the country. They're credited for that. So, therefore, that apparently made them legit. I, now, that we could do a whole podcast on just them. Yeah, absolutely. Like, their history. So, and here's my thought, though, that because Maybe. we've we've accidentally stumbled across stuff, all of us, right? Haunting wrong wrong house, wrong time. Wrong house, wrong time. You walk up and the shutters are flapping on the side of the house, right? Okay. Yeah, and I know whatever did that would have had the energy to say, "Get out!" In yeah. an audible so voice. I'm laying, I'm laying in bed, and something bangs the ceiling. You're in a, in a civil war uh, area that, or where a prison had been, prison war camp, and you see legs walking so out there. Bangs that, the walls all the way around so, the bedroom, knocks painting off right. the wall. So we've accidentally <clears throat> seen these things. These are people who have done this day in, day out. Mm-hmm. For decades, literally thirty plus years, when they got to this point, so I'm I knowing what I've seen, knowing what you've seen, and you've seen, and I know we've seen some stuff. Don't you think after thirty years of doing this day in and day out, they've probably really seen some stuff? They've probably really come across some spooky stuff, right? But I think also it's reflected through the lens of their devout Catholicism, and uh, you could probably clear the house out with some sage and Palo Santo wood and a and a. And you could have a, a Wiccan come in there, a good white witch come in there and play in the house. Out. Ain't no good witches, boy. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it doesn't have to be somebody sent from the Vatican. Because I don't if know. you accept that, then you accept that all the rest of that dog That's is right. true as well. Like I say, demons. I'd pre- say there's good and bad. In everything. Entities from wherever. You have to have balance. And uh, and demons predate Christianity. Absolutely. The word so. is Greek. And, and it, it's from daemon in Greek. And it, it, they were helpful and stuff in Greek mythology. They, they turned all this stuff into bad stuff. Even Pazuzu was a protector oh, of God. pregnant women in Babylonian John said mythology. the P word. The stuff was only P-word. turned into bad stuff by... Media? Christians. Oh. By early Christians. Christianity to convert pagans. Oh, your pagan gods are all evil demons, servants of the devil and stuff. And all. You're, you know, and how much of it was that and how much of it was, it was all rewritten later... You know, well, I mean, I think that Catholicism it, became so strong. Was well, regardless, if you want to go, before. I mean, you can go down that rabbit hole. But to me, I mean, it's there's angels and demons in the Bible, regardless of where. I mean, so I mean, it's 
they've been around. Right, but this predates the Bible by thousands of years. Right. So. No, I know, but I'm just saying for those that feel that way. Yeah. By the way, the Warrens got their ticket to fame with Annabelle. Oh, oh Annabelle was right. the first Annabelle doll. started. The Annabelle doll. Annabelle started everything, and then we shoot off into paranormal superstardom. <laughs> she, she said shoot off. <laughs> shoot off into paranormal superstardom. And then, you know, then they got the occult museum and all of those well, things. Well, Annabelle is the centerpiece of that museum. Yes. I, for one, enjoy their stories um, just because they're so interesting and they're interesting well, characters. I mean, regardless of what they saw or claimed, it, I mean, these people that we've at least covered really were scared and they were yeah, they I were in that. something that were haunted and these people I just, like it today out. you would easily be you could blanket that house in cameras and wireless cameras remote sensors mm-hmm. or you know uh motion sensors there's all kinds of stuff you could set up nowadays that they didn't have right would you catch the bed shaking would you catch books flying or would you catch the activity now that they claim to have kept in when you could put cameras everywhere Taps and monitor caught, everything 24 7. has caught stuff moving. Uh, right, but I've never seen. Zach has caught stuff yeah, moving. Yeah, but I've never and, seen books like one after the other flying off across the room and stuff like that. I've seen a chair move. I've seen a thing I, fall off of a, a bar. I've seen one little thing like a, like a very small amount of movement. So I saw bed rails. I saw a right. clock fly off the wall at me. I mean. I mean, I witnessed. Been, you My heard that banging thing around your room, yeah. So, fall. but also didn't have cameras going to catch right. it happen either. It That's seems true. like they get a little camera shy. It, maybe they do. It's like you know, who knows? It, anyway, we, we probably see full-bodied apparitions. Sometimes I wonder if it drains their energy. I don't know. Or maybe they get their energy from it. I don't well, know. They'll take the battery. They'll they'll die. No, I mean we've seen that happen. Batteries. Oh, but I'm saying, but then you can't you can't use that as proof. Once they drain the battery, so that's right. Just plug I, it all in. I <laughs> okay. I very much like that story. I I like that one. I think it's a good one. It ends well. It's very well. interesting. It does end well. It's a nice neighborhood. Whatever happened to Grandma? Mm. She had ever said probably died. That was ninety eight. She was a grandmother in ninety eight. She's probably dead by now. But I'm saying she was fine. They after she started talking backwards, like we got better and we went back to the house. I failed you in my research. I did not. I'm just out. curious. <laughs> no, I'm just curious. We went there and all of a sudden, and then the other one got in a wreck, and then all of a sudden we forgot about Grandma because the priest came and like cleared everything. Well, so was, I just was curious. Yeah, Grandma was a, a tangential part of that story. No, I know. <laughs> well, the chaplain came and helped Grandma. I will say that the neighborhood looks. Old, old and ancient and haunted. Those mm-hmm. rock walls that are pro- were probably built in the in the 18th century. You know, yeah, I'm sure. Probably, or before in the 17th yeah. century. I mean, those probably date back to the Pequot well, Wars. It's been so. a while. Indians and all that. Yeah. All right. Well, I Okey think we dice and slice that whenever way we can. Definitely recommend the Scarabus. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. If you're sitting here listening to the end of this, subscribe some more. Uh, like us go to check us out in all of our places and I'll throw up nice little pictures in the video so you can you can look at it there go to our website paranormal-spirits.com get you some swag get you some swag Stuff you know what we buy you get. some scarabus definitely recommend it if you're on the Petey Scotch train. if you're into Petey Scotch Isla Single Malt Scotch Whiskey Scarabus is good stuff. Definitely good and affordable. That's and it's bit, affordable. Yeah. It, it is compared Not to the other other ones. Yeah, the silver. That's a good price. Have a good night.
Gnadau. Bye-bye. Bye. Now you know what they're going to do as soon as they've got their own vintage barrel. Jack up the price by twice. Oh, you think? Oh, yeah. It's because they're using other people's barrels. Right, and here's what makes interesting. Scarabus aged 10 years, so their, their age statement when it's 10 years. Well, that narrows it down. I, I think this is really good. Ah! It tastes like Lafroy 10 years.